and there was 40 public speakers and we had astronauts. We had like first women pilots. We have survivors. We have all of these amazing things. And I was like, oh my gosh, who am I to speak on anything when you're in a room with amazing people? And then I had to kind of like remind myself, like, who are you not? Why not you? Welcome to the Bold Moves How Did You Know podcast, a podcast for the naturally curious who want to define their own path. I'm your host, Kristen Rocco, and here I'm sharing bold move stories that propelled my guests from curiosity to action. And in doing so, they've defined a path that is purposeful to them. Through these stories, I hope you'll be inspired to pursue your boldest dreams. Today, my guest is Brittany Kensmo, and she describes herself as the biggest cheerleader you didn't know you had. She has spent her entire life saying yes to opportunity, never letting the fear of failure stop her from making bold moves. She has transitioned in her career from a high school history teacher and coach to successful business owner, top producing realtor, a short-term property rental guru, and now she's shining on the public speaking stage. She describes herself as a cheerleader by heart. She's authentic and she has an uh, ability to genuinely connect with others that will leave you feeling empowered, supercharged, and excited to say yes to the next opportunities that come your way. Welcome to the show, Brittany. How are you? I am doing well, Kristen. Thank you so much for having me. I adore what you are putting out into the world. I think sharing and empowering others is amazing. So I'm just honored to be here. Thank you so much. Well, I'm honored to have you. As we read in that intro, you have kind of done so many different things. Your path has been a winding road, not a straight one. And you, as you cut, as I read in the intro, you define it as a path of yes. So I would love to hear um, more about your journey so listeners can catch up to all that you've done. And um, I bet you could have never expected to be where you are today if you look back at where you started. So let's start from the beginning and uh, go from there. Okay, that sounds great. I think you worded it perfectly. It has been a winding road. There's lots of turns, but they've been amazing pivots along the way. Uh, So I grew up always thinking I'm going to be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher. I always like when we played, I was playing in the school books and making lesson plans and doing all this stuff. Like that was my heart. And I never knew anything different. So I was a high school history teacher and a cheer coach as well. And for me, I was like, okay, this is my path because I didn't necessarily, you know, entrepreneurship was still kind of a new thing. So it wasn't something people like, what are you going to school for? Okay, great. And then you do that. So I started out as a high school history teacher and a cheer coach, and I loved it. I loved, I loved the teaching in the classroom, but I also loved connecting with all of the athletes and their families. And so that was a great rapport building platform, if you will, um, for my life at that moment. And then through that relationship and through that journey, one of my athletes, her family approached me, her parents and said, how do you think a cheer gym would do? And I was like, oh, this would be great. Do you want to coach it? I was like, yes. So I went and told my husband and he's like, no, 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 we're not going to coach this. If we're going to do this, we're, this is going to be a partnership because he has always been an entrepreneurial mind. And I was like, well, that just makes sense uh, because I very much believe like what you put out in the world, if you put out good, good will come. So when you're constantly like, okay, how can I help you succeed? Absolutely. So when that opportunity presented our, presented itself to us, we just said, okay, yes, let's do it. Um, And we did. And I still taught in the classroom for a short bit, but I was actually pregnant with my first at the time too. So one thing uh, they don't always recommend is you should start a business when you're pregnant with your first kid. That's fun to do. (laughs) Um, But we just, we jumped in and said yes. And that was our first major pivot. It was our first major turning point in this path that I thought was just going to be a straight and narrow high school history teacher, cheer coach, wife and mom, check. Um, but this was the first pivot. I loved it. How did you know that it was the right opportunity? So there were two things, two things that we always kind of ask ourselves. Is it something I want to do? And cheer was like, I grew up cheering middle school, high school, college. And I always loved 
when I did all stars, because you think about cheering is like scholastic and on the sidelines, but there's a business behind it as well. And I always admired um, Amy. She was the, she was the owner of the gym. And I was like, Oh, that's amazing. I could never do that. But how it was just so far beyond my reach of what I thought was going to happen. So when the opportunity presented, I was like, this is my heart and soul. Like I love coaching. Yes. So the, is the drive there hundred percent. The second part was the conversation between my husband and I, what is the worst that could happen? If we start this business, can we survive the worst that could happen? I remember we sat down with our business partners and said, what is our minimum amount of athletes that we need to keep the doors open? Do we think we can hit that? Yes. Okay. Well, then it's worth trying because if you can survive the worst case scenario, if you have that second conversation first and you're like, I can do that, I can still survive. The options for potential are endless. Like if I can, if I can make it through the worst, the best, ooh. That is just, that is out there, like waiting for me to reach. So for us, we're like, do we love it? Yes. Can we survive it? Absolutely. So let's try. If, if nothing else, all right, I'll go back to teaching. So what did the transition look like from teaching to now cheer gym owner? And are you coaching in the gym as well? So I went, it was a great transition. It was kind of natural because the coaching was the other part of my life. So it really was just, I got to, instead of having to dress in teacher mode and then change, I just got to be like coach mode all day. So it's amazing. Um, it was something that it took a quick minute because it was a mindset shift going from coach to like business owner was a little bit hard to do, but that's where our partnership came into play beautifully. I was the product of our company. I was the, the, the knowledge, the face of the, the company, if you will. And they were the business. So they were making those decisions. So it was kind of this really easy, I'm not going to say easy. It was not easy. It's hard work, but it was a nice cohesive blend that gave me the, the breathability to be like, okay, we could do this. If I just keep doing what I'm doing and sharing with others and serving our community, our community will start to flock because that was important too. Having a supportive community is, a, is, is imperative and it's almost key in these situations. Right. Did you learn anything about having partners in your business um, over the years? And, and if so, what have you learned for people who are thinking about um, maybe becoming an entrepreneur mm -hmm. or just maybe taking on a side project where they want to engage partners? What can you share about that experience to help people navigate how to think about partnerships. Absolutely. I think there's beauty in partnership because it allows you, it, it kind of shares, it allows you to share in the risk, but then in the flip token, you also share in the reward, but it allows you to kind of enter in a bit more guarded because there's somebody else doing it with you. I think it's really beautiful if you can have a partner because it gives you a sounding board. You're not doing it by yourself. So it was my husband and I with another husband and wife couple. So it was a really nice balance situation. But one thing that we had to make sure that we did to kind of set ourselves up for success, and we did not do this in the most like in-depth legal way, but we sat down and said, what is our breakup plan? Like if we start this, what does our breakup plan look like? Because it is so important to have that conversation first while you are still on good terms, as opposed to waiting, getting halfway through. And then, you know, if somebody wants out, you don't have a path for that. It could get ugly. So we sat down and we said, here's our breakup plan. But then also backtracked and said, what are our responsibilities? I'm going to be coaching six, seven days a week. The other three, not so much, but they have other strengths that they play into the business side of things. So really defining the roles helped us not step on each other's toes, helped us really try to make sure it was a cohesive thing. And the other thing for us, which was nice, uh, it allowed for us to be a little bit freer in our just say, yes, it's okay. We all still had full-time jobs. I was still teaching at that moment. My husband worked at Dell. They both had, so we had full-time jobs. So it wasn't like we had to make this work so we could pull a paycheck for us. Anything that we made, we just kept investing into the business to grow the business. And we had that flexibility mm -hmm. because of the employment status that we all still maintain. So we started out kind of like a side hustle with love, uh, but it, it just grew exponentially because <laughs> we could just pour into it without having to take away 
So I know we were blessed in that situation, but I think that really helped foster a positive environment, a positive working relationship, and a positive partnership as well. So to recap what I heard heard you say, um, which is some really great advice, when you partner with people, obviously find people that you like, that's (laughs) first step, right? Um, And that you jive with and that you truly want to be, you know, having relationships with and every day, you know, you're going to be talking to them every single day. So they better be somebody you like. But after that, it's really operational. You have to think rationally minded, not like a friend. You have to think business. So it is setting up what you're calling a breakup plan. Somebody down the road is going to want to exit the business whether that's in a year or 10 years. So having that conversation off the bat to just make it okay that somebody's going to leave and how that's going to occur is really, really brilliant idea, Brittany. And then um, the roles and responsibilities. Don't make that, define those roles and responsibilities. Don't make it ad hoc. As mm-hmm. it comes up, we'll figure it out. Be really, really clear about who's doing what so that you know when these things come up day to day, it's no question about how the work is getting done. Cool. I love that. All right. So you, you opened the cheer gym. Mm -hmm. Um, so take us through that period of your life. So that was a very exciting period of my life. Uh, when we opened, we, we had that conversation. Do you think you should open a cheer gym? That was in January and we opened our doors in April. So it was a quick, you know, from birth to creation type moment. But then in the same token, I had my first son in uh, October of that year. So we, it was like a whole new path journey. And then I had my second, the next, and then my third, the next. So as we built this business, my family expanded too. So I went from being there six days or seven days a week to being there six days a week to being there five to being there like, okay, we have three kids to juggle now uh, and not juggle, but just make sure you know we can raise them appropriately. I need to be there for bath times and for bedtimes. And then they started playing baseball and sports and stuff like this. So as our family was growing, our business was growing as well, which was beautiful. And I loved seeing the involvement in the community and the support behind the community, but it kind of got to a tipping point, like, okay, it's growing so big. We either need to be there more as my, as my personal days were kind of backtracking and detracking. So I could be home or we needed to kind of give up, give up the reins and give up control so we could be there less, like give the, give the governing powers to be that so we could be with my family. So that was another kind of pivot and conversation I had to have with myself. Are we there more to grow the business more or do we step back so we can be our kids cheerleaders now and really be for them? So that was, it was about a five-year span of this business uh, when we grew it. And it's been around for 10 years now. It's, it's beautiful to see that, but it wow. was, it was a, it was a hard decision at the time to sell our business but it was also the best yes of that time. So then I could be fully present with my kids at home with my family and really be there. So, and we know it was in great hands. So it was the best. Yes. It was a hard yes, but the best yes for my family. How long did that yes take you? How long were you in the middle of, uh, you know, debating what to do and how to manage your growing family with this, cheer gym? Uh, I think it was a, it was a yes in the making. So we had our first, I was there, we had our second and the conversation with my husband was like, I should probably slow down a little bit. And then when our third came the next, it was like, okay, we really need to pump the brakes. So I think that the wheels were starting to turn on something's got to not to give, but Mm -hmm. the shift is happening. And so kind of at the beginning of the season of our fifth season, it was kind of one of those conversations like, okay, We've really got, it was the business plan to sit down. What does this look like? And we were kind of like, we kind of need out. Like at this moment, we either needed to be there more, but we knew time was not available to do that. So we were like, Mm -hmm. okay, well then what does that look like? How do we address it? So the, the conversations really started in August. And I think we had put a plan in place and kind of wrapped everything up. And I think we sold in January. So it was a, it was a conversation in the works and in the making, and then really looking like, how does one sell a business? I don't know. So you have to do business (laughs) evaluations and all these things you do not ever think about on a normal basis. Um, So going through that process was really interesting. We learned a lot, but also just 
it was really neat to hear a value put behind your heart and your effort. So that was, that was fun too. I would be remiss yeah. not to mention cheer on Netflix. Brittany, I think I've been trying to talk to you about this for a long time and I keep forgetting, but, um, I've watched both seasons and I'm like, I, I, I hate to say that I get sucked in by reality TV, but I definitely do. Um, is that what your cheer gym is like? Maybe not all the drama, but is that what kind of running a cheer gym is like with the business aspect of it? And is it really about, you know, competing to get to those competitions? So that is, that's a really great question. I'm really <laughs> glad you actually asked it because I think when you get to higher levels, that is what the world is. That is what the cheer world is. Like it is about the titles and about this, and especially too, because cheer is based in a collegiate setting. So that it's very, that's sure. what it is. Um, when we started our cheer gym, we had to kind of have the, much like when you start any project, like, is there oversaturation? I said, no, there's nothing here, but there were, there are, there were a couple other gyms fairly local. And when I say fairly local, I mean, within 30 minutes. So that's fairly local for us. So our thing was, how are we going to differentiate and distinguish ourselves? How is our product? Because that's what it was. Our business was our product. How is our product going to be different from others? And so we said, this is what this one is doing. The big gyms, the big titles, all the things. We knew we wanted to keep it very community-centered and very family-centered because that's how we ran as well. So we kind of said, you know, this is a new product. We're not going to have all of the high schoolers and all of the higher level athletes day one. We want to build bottom up. We want to build community with these younger kids. Like we had 30 kids our first time. And I think their oldest was like 12 or 13. We had so many five and six and seven year olds. So really nurturing those younger kids. Mm. And for us, that was a way to distinguish and separate ourselves apart. And it allowed us to run a business in a way that was true to our mission, true to our value, as opposed to trying to chase what everybody else was doing. So we really said, let's mm. identify a lane and really try to just stay in our lane with the business, be competitive. But it really allowed us to create a culture and a community within the gym that others yeah. could could thrive in, could still be very family centered and based and not because it you saw the series, it's intense and it can be rough. Yeah. <laughs> and we wanted to create a place of like just love and encouragement and empowerment. Um, so I think identifying the type of product you want allows you to make those business decisions based upon that. I don't know how many years into your career you are at this point of leaving cheer, but it occurred to me as you were talking just then that this was your identity for your whole life, Brittany. You were a cheerleader as a young girl. You, um, you then, yeah, while you were teaching uh, mm -hmm. history, you were the cheer coach. Mm -hmm. Then you became an owner in a cheer gym and you were teaching in that gym. So this was part of your identity. So I'd love to ask you about the identity. Uh, did you have any challenges with leaving that identity quote unquote behind? How did you process that? So I, th that's a really thought provoking question. And I don't know that I've actually put words to it per se until this point. But when I think about it, I, I loved that chapter of my life and I loved what it, as an athlete, what it taught me. I loved because it teaches you time management, patience, cooperation, collaborating with others. Like there's so many valuable lessons in any team sport to be learned. So as an athlete, I really appreciated as a coach, I got to see, it was so much more exciting because it wasn't about me. It was about my athletes. And so watching them grow was really amazing. I think when I made that pivot and we made that switch, I was in a new chapter in my life. I was in mom mode. And that was also always one of my goals. My mom is like my biggest champion, my biggest fan and the best mom I'm so lucky. And for, I always was like, I'm going to be, you know, a stay-at-home mom. That was always also either a teacher or a stay-at-home mom or both. So I think for me, because I knew 
I was, I was closing a chapter of my identity, but opening it to a new identity. It wasn't like I stopped and then I was like, and now what I had three beautiful boys to, to cheer on now and take to their things and stuff. So I think I really had something to look forward to. Um, we had also just started, my husband said, you should also do real estate. And I was like, when would he always joked? I was like, when would I have time for that? And now he's like, no, now we have time. So I kind of said, okay, I'll start on this new you know, entrepreneurial path. But I think my focus was my children. The reason I got out of that and the reason I was open to real estate is because it gives me flexibility in my schedule. But looking forward to the future of my new chapter of my, you know, my kids were, um, I think they were two, three, and four or three, four, and five when I was leaving. And it was the best. Yes. But then I can also look back while I close that chapter of my identity, that gym is still thriving. So I still see it. And when I still see kids walk around with that logo across their shirt, I'm like, we did that. Like that is special. And that's not something people get to do. So it was bittersweet, but like so sweet in the same breath. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really appreciate what you had to say there. It makes me think that when you can see your identity as more than one thing, which, you know, maybe in the beginning, Brittany, it was all cheer, but you had an expanded vision of who you are, what, which was being a mom. And as these other opportunities co- came your way, I think that that also broadened your horizon for who you are. It's not one thing. It is a lot of things. And so it's just, you know, sometimes you're, putting a lot of emphasis on one area of who you are and what you love to do. And then, you know, at at times you then make decisions because of life and other things that make you pump the muscle of the other pieces of who you are, which is all brilliant and beautiful at the same time, right? And as you said, I love the idea of then being able to look back at chapters and recognize that is still in you and there's a little legacy of you walking around on a day-to-day basis in your community. And, you know, that necessarily won't be, everybody won't be able to see their legacy on the street walking around, but they can still feel that sense of pride and accomplishment around Mm -hmm. what they were able to achieve in that chapter um, and feel really proud of that. And maybe that's the key to, um, not getting so stuck in one version of who you are is feeling these accomplishments and being proud, but being open to what's next. Absolutely. All right. So you mentioned you got into real estate. So that's like completely new. You had no experience with real estate, right? So what the heck? (laughs) That was, I think, um, it's really funny that wasn't on my burner. It wasn't on my front burner. It wasn't really anything that I was like, I should get into real estate. But my husband always encouraged me. He's like, you would, you know, you should get into real estate. You're a people person, you coach, you teach. Like those are great um, characteristics of, of a real estate agent. And I was like, oh, when would we? But then when we were kind of closing out the chapter of cheer, I was like, what's, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, well, our original goal was we had wanted to build some investment properties. So I'll just do it for myself. We'll help out for our investment properties. And then I said, you know what? Okay. I'll just serve friends and family. If anybody needs help, I'm happy to help them. And it quickly turned into like, how can I help who needs it to like, Oh, but everybody needs help. I have more friends and family than I thought. Um, And this idea of I'm going in it without an agenda, I think really helped me be able to, say yes to everything, make those decisions and just let the business thrive, like really building it based on relationships and not kind of, I always um, joke about like the realtor power pose. Everybody knows like the, the blazer and the power pose. I was like, exactly that yeah. exact one. I was like, that is not me. I spent my last 10 years as a, you know, living in uh, yoga pants and a messy bun because I was a, a mom and a church owner. So I was like, blazers are, are not me. So I knew I wanted to do a little bit different to to find my lane, to distinguish my product from everybody else. And so going into it, listen, I was a, (laughs) I was a high school teacher. I made $35,000 with a master's degree. So I was like, you know, I feel like I could, I could do that. So my level, my benchmark of like what success was, was, you know, it was, I'm not gonna say it was low. I've definitely raised it since then, but I was like, 
there's so much potential. And this was the first, you know, the gym was the first um, experience with business where like the harder you worked, the more you can make, but we never took paychecks. So yeah. we kept going in. This was the first one where it was like my direct result of my work efforts was in a direct result right, of my right. outcome. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, this is okay. So it really kind of turned into one of the best yeses, again, that I would not have originally seen. It was presented to me, but because I was open, I am always open to hear opportunity and ideas, but knowing like when to say yes. And I was like, okay, this works with our family because I can control my time in and out. Um, yeah. And I've done a really great job of doing that with, you know, even within real estate saying, yes, I can help serve, but listen, I don't work on Saturdays from 10 to two because I'm at a ball field these days. Like setting those parameters have really helped me still keep my family on the front burner while really building a successful real estate business too. I'm getting the sense that balancing career and life, right? This work-life balance, which we all love to have conversation about. And I think at now we all know this is not possible. But for you, what I'm hearing as you're sharing your story is that it's, you're always thinking about what's primary in your life, what matters most. And to me, that's your family, right? That's been your number one. And so given the responsibilities and what you need to do for your family in a moment in time, determines then how you approach your career or maybe it, it plays into I don't know determines might be strong but it plays into how you approach your career which is interesting take on work-life balance um because at some points when you you know had the one child and you were in the cheer gym being there seven days a week okay you could do it having three kids you couldn't and so then mm -hmm. it was my life is somewhere in a different place now. So how do I look at my career to fill where I have gaps in my life? And you've made adjustments along the way, right? With this realtor, you know, becoming the realtor, it was three kids all in kind of various stages of their life, you know, ages of their life with different things, activities going on. The career of being a realtor allowed you the flexibility to define your own schedule, to define when you worked, how hard you worked. And so it was able to seep into the cracks of, of your life and create this fullness, right, to the entire picture, which I think is a really interesting way of thinking about work-life balance. I think that it's so funny because we always talk about work-life balance and it's like this 50-50 scale. And I really think it's more of like a work-life integration because you really have to, there are some days where it is like more work and there are some days where it's more family. So it's never like a 50-50, but they do kind of work in comparison and in collaboration with each other. One thing that we have tried hard to do is to create a business based around our life as opposed to creating our life based around our business or our career. So my husband and I actually, we do a goal, uh, goal planning retreat at the end of every year. And we go, like we check into a place and we won't leave the whole weekend. Like we just, we focus and we say, what do we want our, our life to look like next year? What vacations do we want to take? What sports are the kids going to do? What X, Y, Z, and what short-term rentals are you trying to, what do you want your life to look like next year in five years, in 10 years? So there's a plan, but then we say, okay, to have that life that we want to live, what do we need to make to get there? What does my work-life balance need to look like in order to fulfill those life goals? And then let's do that. If we do more, great. If we do less, we'll need to pull back. But at least that way we can craft our work around the way that we want to live. But I think if you're just driven by the career, it's very easy for the things that are important to fall wayside. So I have found that helps us give really clear insight and to give really clear intention on how we approach our business. That's it. The goal planning. I hope listeners are hearing this so much about how what your life becomes is thinking intentionally about it and planning it and and envisioning it and then and then you know planning the ways in which you're going to get there and so can you walk us through 
a little bit more step by step what that goal planning session looks like for you and your husband. It's so cool that you pick a different place every year and, and stake out and do this session mm -hmm. um, every year. But what does it look like? What do you talk about? What what comes up during those those sessions? So the 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 most important part of the session is the fact that our parents will watch our children while we're gone, so we can actually have <laughs> a, a detailed conversation. So we typically like to go. We've been going recently to Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina, because it's a lovely resort. Uh -huh. um, and we literally we won't we don't go tour Asheville. Like we've said, oh, we should go to Nashville. We should go somewhere else. But I'm like, I want I want to go see those places. And the goal is like we don't leave. So we will go, we will check in and we treat ourselves to like a nice dinner. I will go like get a massage and he may play golf. He typically, I think he's played golf once. He prefers to sit down and work. Like he just constantly lets his love language, like he's just constantly on the roll. But then we sit down and we kind of take time individually and say, what do I want my professional goals to look like? Like in my career, what do I want that to look like? And so we kind of sit down and say, okay, this is, this is one of my goals. And he'll say, here are my goals. And we kind of talk about individual goals. And then we say, what are our family goals? What do we want that to look like? We try to take, we know we're going to take a vacation with my family each year, with his family, with our children alone. We know we're going to do an anniversary trip. And we really try to plan out our year of travel and what that looks like. And we know that we are avid NC State fans. So we know like in the fall, we've got a budget for like season tickets for there. And all the things that have to happen is we really kind of sit down and say, okay, let's, it's like, it's planning for the full year. And then we also say, okay, but now in five years, what do we want to do? Because then it helps us intentionally in the way that we live our life, but also the way that we spend. Um, we always say, you know, there's a, there's a saver and a spender in a relationship. And I will, yeah. uh, my husband is not the spender. I'm not going to point fingers at who is. <laughs> it, it also helps <laughs> right. me keep in check. Like, Hey, remember, we're really trying to get to this goal. So it really just, it allows us to be open with our goals and with what we think is potentially possible. And what we also have like a vision board type situation, like what what do we want that to look like? I want to be on a TEDx stage. I don't know what I'm talking about yet, but I, I feel like I have a message. I feel like I have something to share that I want to do. So by the time I'm 40, I want to do that. So last year I was like, I heard about this course. I really want to take it. I want to challenge myself. It is not real estate related. It is public speaking, but like that is like a vision that I want to try to do. I just, I feel there's something called to and led to. And I think he broke out in hives when I told him that because he was like, seriously, public speaking. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And he was like, that freaks me out to no end. And I was like, that motivates me to no end because it's just this, this, um, if you can share, if you can give, if you can empower others, there's beauty and strength in that. So I knew I was like, I've got a message. I want to get out. I'm not sure what it's, I'm crafting it. I'm not sure what it said yet, but he, when I told him that while he got hives, that was his own his own internal reaction, but not once did he say, that's a stupid idea. You shouldn't do that. He said, why not? Why 40? Why wait till you're 40? You should do it earlier. So put yourself in a position. And for us, it's like, oh, and give me a massage. And I just need a moment. Let me read a good book. And then I'm just like, oh, I'm all lovey-dovey and can like to myself and can just like really be open with possibility. So pushing yourself outside of the the parameters that we typically set on a, on a nine to five basis. Like what could your future look like? And because you envision for yourself being a public speaker, I don't know how many years ago this came up for you in your session, but today you, you started to mention that you enrolled in a public speaking course to help you get there. And that's the power again of goal setting. You know, once you're clear on what you want to do, then it's always in your mind about how to get there. And so now, you know, in order to become a speaker for TEDx, you need to refine your public speaking skills and you need to understand how to control a room. So tell me more about mm -hmm. this public speaking journey you've been on over the last, I don't know, how, has it been a couple months, a year? Oh. 
It has been just under a year. I went, uh, it's been eight months because I, it was funny. I shared my dream with, uh, I had lunch with a friend in the real estate business. She's the attorney. And we just said, what, you know, what's your goal in five years? What's your goal in five years? Like the conversations always stem and grow fantastically. When you're asking people like, what are your dreams? How can I help you achieve those? And she said, I've got a friend just like you. She is a dance studio owner. So it equated to like my cheer gym. She is an entrepreneur and she's in public speaking. And she took this. So I went and had lunch with her. And in December, I went to like the first, they offer like a free weekend. Kind of like, come see what we're about. Come see what it is. And I was like, oh, how do I get to New Jersey in December? I'm doing all the holiday things in December. But I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I want to go see what this is about. And then I signed up in January and it was one of the biggest investments in myself in terms of financially, my time, my efforts, my mental strength, (laughs) everything that it took has been such a learning process and a journey. But I was like, I, I, can we afford it? Can I carve out four days each month to travel? Can my husband hold down the fort that lot. Like there were so many moving pieces, but it was like, yes. Can we survive this? Yes. What's the worst that can happen? We do all this. And then I don't do any public speaking. (laughs) Oh, cool. What's the best that can happen? So we just, we kind of led with that, but I will tell you, it was scary. Um, cause I, I will be everybody's cheerleader until the cows come home. Like that is my nature. I will cheer you on. I will support you. I will lift you up and empower you. I'm also uh, uh-huh. oftentimes the first one to give up on myself. Uh-huh. So that's hard. So I've been thankful. I've got my husband and my mom who are always my cheerleaders and pushing me forward. Um, but saying yes to yourself can be very hard. Sometimes this is the, this was the hardest yes for me to say it was easy because I knew the vision. It was hard because I knew, um, again, what that would actually take and entail like, Oh, do I have that grit in me to proceed forward. Like if I'm going to do this, I've got to hold myself accountable. So that was tough, but I have enjoyed it. The amazing people that I've met along the way through that process. That was also the first time um, that I have been in a room that I was completely and utterly not going to say not. I was, I was just so intimidated because of the brilliance in that room. And there was 40 public speakers and we had astronauts. We had like first women pilots. We have survivors. We have all of these amazing things. And I was like, oh my gosh, who am I to speak on anything when you're in a room with amazing people? And then I had to kind of like remind myself, like, who are you not? Why not you? So I had to like cheer myself back onto like, I, we could do this. And so sometimes making those yeses in life, saying yes to those can be hard and scary and just terrifying. But again, if you can survive that, the the options and the future potential are endless. So I had to kind of take my own advice on that one. I've been writing a lot down along the way, as you've been talking your little mantras, because I, I, first of all, I got to add them to my mantra list, but secondly, just to remind everybody um, about how you amp yourself up as you take on new opportunities or consider new opportunities. The three I've written, what's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen? Can we survive this? And this last one you just said, why not you? If somebody Mm -hmm. else can do it, why can't you? And that's, that's also what's propelled me into trying entrepreneurship. Why not me? Who The person next to me is no different. I mean, sure, we have different skill sets, but it's not like there's some intellect difference that makes them better at starting and running a starting and growing a business than me. Um, so I love that. Why not you? Not everybody, and, and I can relate to this, not everybody is given opportunities, right? Um, so if you're working in a nine to five job, for example, there's not, you know, your manager might not be coming to tap you on the shoulder and saying, hey, I want you for this job. I want you for this project. I want you for, you know, or or in, in entrepreneurship, you know, it's it's 
the fact that somebody you know asked you to become the owner in the chair gym to me is a little bit for- lucky i mean you've put you put yourself in that position but it's also somebody wanted to start a cheer gym in your community where you were teaching cheer you know that's that doesn't come around every single day and so the question is about the difference between finding opportunities and being presented opportunities how do you think about that how do you advise people to find opportunities because I do want to, I think there's a difference between, I think that there's sometimes where opportunities come to you, but I also think more often than not, it's about finding an opportunity. I think that depends on what your goals are. Like some people, again, I was, do I think I would have been just fine and just content and happy staying as a high school history teacher and being a coach? Absolutely. Because for me, that was success. That was my version of success. And so I was good with that. So when they were presented to me and I could say yes, I was in a position to do so. I think, but I was also happy. So I wasn't going and trying to find a different yes. So I think it really depends on like, what are your goals? If you're not happy or if you're like, I'm made for more and I know there's something more out there, then then I think you do go look for it. You look at how, what what do you want your voice to, to be? What do you want to be heard? How do you want to be seen? And I think it, t- it takes a lot of guts to go find opportunities. But if you are in a place where you're like, I'm made for more, I can do more. I think there's a driving factor there to go find them. But you also have to have the, I would say courage and confidence to go out there and look. So I think it depends on where you are in your state of life. Like I said, I was, I was absolutely happy as a high school teacher. Um, I loved coaching. I had a, a fabulous husband. We had just moved to this town. I was like, life is great. I didn't feel the need to search for more because I was, I was good with where I was. Um, but now I view it more so as like, I'm thankful and I'm blessed. All of those were presented to me because I did not, I don't think I went and found any of those opportunities. I think I put myself in a position. I showed up consistently. I had hard work, dedication. I hustle. I am organized. Like I coached and ran it like a business. I said, here are my parent meetings. Here's what, here's what it's going to cost. Here's your schedule the whole day. Don't come at me with X, Y, Z. Like I'm I am here to, this is a business and I ran it like one. So I think when you also show up consistently and you show professionalism and you are, you're creating kind of a, um, a solid foundation for yourself, people will kind of see that as well. So if you've got strength in your voice and you know that, I think people will kind of take note to that. The, I find where I continue to be presented opportunities is because to the best of my ability, it's not about me. I don't make it about me. It's how can I serve others? So it's not, oh, I need to sell X amount of houses this year. It's like, how many families can I, can I sell? How many of this? We have short-term investment properties and we have created like a free group for people. Let me pour into you and share all of the education that I know about investing. So you can then go build the life you want to live. I think when you serve others and share with others, opportunities do have a tendency to present themselves to you. So putting yourself in a position to, again, I said it at the beginning, you know, what you put into the world, I feel like you put out, if you are giving and sharing and serving, I think that can come back to yeah. reward you as well. I don't know if I answered yeah, the question. I love that. There's, you definitely did. And, and there's, I think we've kind of circled back to the fact that there are two ways to get opportunities. One is you go out and find mm-hmm. them actively. You know your goals. This is exactly what the public speaking, right? You're finding, you found your opportunity Mm -hmm. there, right? You identified the goal that you had and you said, there's a company, I'm going to invest in this and I'm going to make it work. No matter if, if that first retreat is in December, I'm going, that's a found opportunity, right? And then yes, there are opportunities that come your way because of, and I love how you said this, you show up, you're consistent, you're professional. And so people want to work with people like that. And so that creates opportunities that you may not have expected. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a cool conversation because we can think about opportunities in two different ways. And it does require you 
to show up as your best self every day so you can get those opportunities, mm -hmm. identify those opportunities, go after it and, and say yes to them when they come your way. Um, couple more questions for you. We've talked a lot about yes mm -hmm. during today's interview. We haven't really spent much time on no. And your life is about saying yes. But I would be remiss as an interviewer to not ask the question, <laughs> when is it the right decision, Brittany, to say no? Uh, I have to believe <laughs> there is a time to say no. I think that's one of my biggest detriments as a human is I always like to say I'm the yes girl. I was always a yes girl where if I had 20 minutes in my schedule, I will fill it. If you need something, I will do it. And I would give and give and give and pour and pour and pour into other people to where sometimes it got to be, there just wasn't anything left to give sometimes. And so I had to have that conversation. This was at one of our goal planning retreats. Like one of my goals was to say no more. And, and the reason behind that was to protect my time with my family, protect my sanity and just to protect our schedule and the life that we wanted to build. So I remember very vividly, I, this was last December, this past December, I said, my goal is to say no more this year because I always say yes. So really say my, my husband's um, like go-to saying is things in life are either a hell yes or a hell no. Pardon my language. That's that's the way he phrases it. Like you're either all in or if it's not all in, it's a no. So I tried to kind of adapt that and mold that a little bit into my life. And I remember I had a, I hosted a vision board party. Like I just had people over at my house. We had like snacks and drinks and we just like, what are your goals? Cause it was kind of like propelling them. What are your goals? And then I had um, another office reach out. I did it with my office as well. And I had one of the office um, admin reach out like, will you host this in our office as well? And I looked I said, I say this with all the love in the world, respectfully, no. I think that's something you can do. I can share with you the tools and you can do that, but I don't physically need to be there and give my time. And that was the first time with intention, I said no to something because I knew like, hey, this is something you can still do on your own. It doesn't physically require me to be there. I'm just there to be like, oh my gosh, these are amazing goals. You can do that too. Um, and it really got this like wave of like, reached over me. And so I've adapted that more. And I also do things like I refer out some of my clients. If they're in, if they're looking in an area that is really just outside of my zone of happiness, it's too far for me to drive to be in the car left and right. I will refer it to somebody there. I'm like, I'm not worried about that because I know that other agent can serve them better, but I know that the time value that I get back is better. So you've got to keep in mind of like why you're saying yes to things and why you're saying no. I was saying yes to too many things. So starting to say no to more to protect my original why, like my front burner, my family, and just to protect the time with that. So I think no's for me, at least are harder to say, but when you say them with intention, it can be just as powerful as awesome. a yes. All right. We've come to that time, Brittany. What do you know about being bold today that you wish you would have known earlier on? I think being bold looks different to different people. And I think giving ourselves the permission to be bold in a way that is bold for us is the best beauty but without comparison to other people, because I feel like I'm bold in a lot of the moves I make, but if I compare myself to somebody else, I'm going to start shrinking back. So I think before like younger years, I was just like, Oh no, I'm just, um, this is my path. This is what I'm doing. And I was bold still in my personality, but not in my actions. And I think being bold in my actions without comparison have allowed me to embrace what bold is to me because a bold move for me might be like a small stair step for somebody else. A bold move for somebody else might be a small step for me. So if we learn to compare, mm. it's tough. So I think making our bold moves based on like our internal self, that's where the power comes in because that's where that's where like the passion, the grit, the, just the everything. And like the, yes, it was bold comparison the thief of joy. I love that you share that because it hasn't come up on the podcast yet. And it's a amazing point. 
that we all need to be reminded of all the time because it's so easy now in today's world to look sideways and see somebody else doing something. All right, my last question for you, Brittany. What's your next yes? Oh, my next yes is around the corner. I don't know. It is out there for me. My my yes that I am working on is public speaking. That was like the next big yes, the next big thing. But I think the way that I live my life, my next yes is in a presentation that I have yet to be in. So I don't know what that looks like. Um, and I hope my eyes are open to where I could see it. But I know that I'm I'm working on building like a platform and a stage for a yes. And I want to pour into others. So on my heart is a podcast. I will be coming at you asking all the questions when yeah. I am bold <laughs> enough to finally make that move. Um, but then honestly, I think I'm just, I'm really, I love to try to live in the moment. And when that yes presents itself to me, I hope I'm in a place where I can like graciously accept it. So I hope it's out there, but we'll see. It's coming. I know it. Um, Brittany, this has been so fun. I so appreciate you being here and appreciate you saying yes to my interview absolutely. request. This was so, a wholeheartedly, absolutely yes. So I was so thankful to do it. And I, <laughs> I, mean, I was honored so that many, she reached out. There's been so many, this conversation has turned out to have so many pieces of advice and and, and not just for the sake of advice, but through your own story. And I'm just super grateful for that. Um, so thank you for being here. And it's been awesome reconnecting too, because what I didn't mention at the very top of the show is that Brittany and I went to NC State together mm -hmm. in college. We were in the same sorority. So we knew each other as, I don't know, in a much, in a different phase of our life, right? <laughs> And absolutely, gosh, that was like 20 years ago, uh, Brittany. I'm really don't remind me. Don't it's not me. sad to say. There's, I don't know the better word for it, but it's a, mm -hmm. it's interesting as you have more hindsight than you do than we did at that age, right? To think about life. Um, anyways, lots of lots of words to say that I am super glad uh, to reconnect with you and have this conversation, and now have you in my circle of bold moves. <laughs> Uh, guests and, uh, and people I can look to, to be inspired. You inspire me. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. And thank you for creating a space to encourage other people. I love this podcast. I love what it stands for. And you taking that bold move and saying yes to starting a podcast and believing in yourself is going to give so much more power to other people. So I wanted to commend you and say, thank you so much for that. Thank you. Uh, for everyone listening, please, please, please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. It really helps the podcast uh, reach more people and share an episode with your friend if you liked it. So I will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.